Welcome back to the False Neutral Podcast. This week, we continue the discussion entitled Bikes We Love that we began last week in Episode 8. Today, Erica Garrett and I are talking about bikes that we feel are great but don't wish to own personally and which new bikes on the market we like best. If you'd like to listen to Part 1 of this episode, go to Hooniverse.com and search for False Neutral. There, you'll also find photos of all the bikes we discuss each week. Let's rejoin our conversation. Thanks for listening. The bike that you just have that totally emotional love for, whether it makes sense or not, your left brain says, nope, not anything that you're ever going to own, but you still, every time you see a picture of one in a magazine or on the web, you just go, oh, that is so beautiful, and or neat, or functional, or whatever. Eric mentioned mine earlier. Okay. It was the 1299 Panigale, not the Superleggera. Well, you know, let, let's just go ahead and say the Superleggera, <laughs> since I'm not going to buy it anyways. Uh, but the 1299 Panigale. So Ducati motorcycles are my kind of love-hate, where I love the way they look. They just are pure sex, the way they look. But I am scared to death with the maintenance of them. And perhaps they don't have any issues with maintenance, but I fear it in in my head. And so I just don't think I could ever bring myself to buy one. You know, maybe maybe someday, but it wouldn't be a twelve ninety nine. It might be something more like the hypermoto style motorcycle. But the twelve ninety nine Panigale is and you'll kind of probably see this as a theme, the V motor. I love the V motors. I can't get enough of them. The torque, the horsepower, the lightweight, the engineering, the design, the style of the motorcycle, everything about it. But there's just that one thing that I can't get over. And that is, well, A, looking like a Ducati owner. No offense to Ducati owners. <laughs> and then and then B, uh, just like the fear of something going wrong and having to deal with the service experience of the Ducati. I have when I was looking at the Super Duke, I was also like really looking at a Ducati and reading reviews of people. And a lot of people said they had no issues. It's been a great motorcycle. But then there are I feel like there are the people that did have an issue. And when they did have that issue, it was kind of a nightmare for them where it was a routine problem. Like it kept on reoccurring. And I just don't think I could bring myself to do it. I love looking at them. In fact, the wallpaper on pretty much every single one of my computers is some kind of Ducati. But I still wouldn't buy one. The uh, the air-cooled 900 Monsters, if you want one that's going to give you Ducati, it's going to give you the feel, the sound, the look, but be dead reliable. Yeah. 900 SS Ducati air-cooled you know, two-valve. You, you I, know. I can't. The, the Monsters just turn me off i hate the way they look and i could never see myself ever 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 owning one of those but (laughs) not for the same reason as the the 1299 because i despise them and i just would never see myself ever owning one well eric mine is also italian are you did you pick something italian for your (laughs) Uh oh i did not oh okay. okay okay european yes Italian, no. Okay. And that is a bike that speaks to me on pretty much every level. I'm never going to own it because it's way too damn expensive. Well, relatively speaking, and it's at a price, you know, and and when you spend that much money on a bike, you're not going to want to ride it, even though it's meant to be ridden. It's 
beautiful to look at. It's engineered 30 years ahead of its time. It, intellectually, it speaks to me. Artistically, it speaks to me both as it sits and in written form. And I will have to clean up a little bit here so, Pete, you won't have to uh, beep anything out here. Th- it was described in a very famous piece of, of literature from the 70s. Uh, let me pick up where it is here. Okay. Well, he said, as your attorney, I advise you to buy a motorcycle. How else can you cover this thing righteously? Talking about the Mint 400. No way, I said. Where can we get a hold of a Vincent Black Shadow? What's that? It's a fantastic bike, I said. The new model is something like 2,000 cubic inches, developing 200 brake horsepower at 4,000 revolutions per minute uh, on a magnesium frame with two styrofoam seats and a total curb weight of exactly 200 pounds. That sounds right for the gig, he said. It is, I assured him. This effort is not not much for tur- turning, but it's pure hell on a straightaway. It'll outrun an F-111 until takeoff. Takeoff, he said? Can we handle that much torque? Absolutely, I said. I'll call New York. I'll get some cash. <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, is an excerpt from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter Thompson. Um, not that I didn't already know and love what a Vincent Black Shadow is. Was Which is not, none of the things that he described. No, no. But <laughs> no. it's one of those things. I mean, that's pure Thompson, though, because it's so over the top. But really, that's what that bike was, because you think that bike was built in the mid-50s. It was a 1,000cc V-twin capable of 150 miles an hour, true 150 miles an hour, when most bikes could barely do 80 at the time. I mean, it yeah. was, you know, the it was the uh, Bugatti Veyron of its day yeah. to draw a four-wheel equivalent. I mean, it was just so far ahead. That machine, the engineering on it, the design on it, the engine, just the way it looks, the way it sounds, it's an amazing machine. I don't know that I want to write it because trying to write a vintage machine on, you know, and, and, and drum brakes and all that other kind of stuff as fast as that was. I'll let Jay, I'll let Jay Leno do that. that yeah. That's fine. I'm happy to let him do it. I'm happy to have someone else who actually will take care of it and ride it and show it off. But that is, you know, if I won the lotto, sure, I'd go ahead and do it. <laughs> You want to touch a black shadow today? I think they start at seventy or eighty thousand dollars. I haven't yeah. looked in a while because it's kind of pointless. But yeah, that's if I had to pick one, that's that's it. Yeah, you know that would probably be on on many people's lists. I think that the black shadow is one of those all time greats. Well, I don't even. It's not that I think it is one of the all time greats. It wasn't any of those things that you described uh, from Fear and Loathing. I mean, it didn't have 200 horsepower. It didn't weigh 200 pounds. But at the time, it would have seemed like that. And no, it didn't take off like a fighter plane. But could you imagine at that time riding something like that? It would be absolutely life-changing. It would be just unreal. Well, I'm trying to think. Like a Harley, a big Harley V-twin or even the Sportster at that time would have had, what, 35, maybe 40 horsepower? Yeah. Uh, a Bonneville, probably about the same. And a Vincent probably had, what, 70 or 80? It's, you know, just completely different. Yeah. And granted, I'm sure it was, you know, I'm sure they were about $4,000, $5,000 back in the yeah. mid-50s, uh, which was, you know ridiculous buy a house for less than that right Uh, it's just one of those timeless machines and it's like mm. a a closer runner-up second would be a uh would be the britain uh because not just because it was an amazing machine but the man who designed it and unfortunately dying of cancer at a stupidly young age it it is uh, it is a great story and it is a technically 
phenomenal bike. I can't get past the looks. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> I'm with and, Pete on this and, one. And part of it is on, on the, the on the Britain. Yeah, the pink and yeah. blue and the blue painted exhaust pipes and stuff. It was so eighties though. It's just so eighties. No, yeah, I there are a lot of eighties bikes I like, and I like eighties. And I feel bad because it is such an incredible underdog story, and he was such a genius, and it was functionally everything that people say it was and i feel like a really shallow jerk for saying <laughs> i'm sorry the 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 shape of the fairing and the the colors just turn me off yeah i'm with pete on this one i appreciate everything that went into making it and the design and the engineering but i just can't get over the way that it looks and but that's one of the things that drew me to the buell was the britain and just being a pioneer of technology and building design. it in a shed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just being an underdog, you know, that's it, really important for motorcycling that we have people like him and Eric Buell. But just still, I can't get over the design. I don't know. It is 80s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete, what's your unobtainium? You can keep your Ducatis. <laughs> Without question. Is it a Laverta or is it an MV Agusta? Neither. I was going to say MV Agusta. Neither. Oh. <laughs> oh. Moto Marini 500 Sport. Okay. Specific. The V8, right? What? Wait, was that the V8 one? No, no. The, okay. The 1980 V-Twin oh. Hair and Head Moto Marini. In, it was the one of the first bikes I ever fell in love with, and to me, it still is the ultimate Italian exotic. It's not all that powerful. You know, you're lucky to win a drag race with a GS450 twin, but they handled so well. And in my brain, hardwired, what does a a really gorgeous exotic motorcycle look like? It's that. There's just no question about it. And they had some later ones that had more angular bodywork and weird fairings on it and stuff. But the 1980, unpainted engine, black hovers, gold wheels, beautifully pinstriped red tank. It was just, that's it. I would never want to own one. One of the first articles that I read that I can still quote passages from verbatim, Rider Magazine did a test of it in, I think, October 1980 issue. And one of the things they said is this is how did they say it if you live around really curvy roads this is the best thing in the world if you don't it's not they said it's kind of like being a koala bear if you live in a eucalyptus forest it's good to be a koala bear if you don't it's really not because the only thing you eat is eucalyptus leaves so I, I still think of it as, yeah, that's a koala bear. I don't live in a eucalyptus forest. I could never have one. But I just think it's this it's one of the most sculptural, sexy-looking things. Now, by modern standards, they're nothing special. Spindly forks, and the brakes wouldn't be great. But at the time, they had really nice geometry to them. Everything was high quality. I I just have this total emotional, unexplicable, <laughs> undefensible love for him that's never, nothing's ever going to approach that. Pete, I'm sorry. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it, it, it looks like 
an already 400 Daytona procreated with an Italian. And then somewhere in there, somewhere in the lineage is some Honda to... It, it looks flimsy. It looks cheap. It looks unsubstantial. The pipes look small. The engine looks small. I do like the tank. <laughs> I do like the tank. And I like that for the year of it, it's got, it looks like it's got twin front discs on it. I'm not sure if it does or not. It's kind of yeah. hard to see. Yeah, it's got but Brembo, it just, Brembo disc, Gramica wheels. It looks more scooter than motorcycle to me. And maybe that's the European thing. I think that's one of the things I like about it is that it looks kind of feminine, maybe. It's not this hulking thing, very grace. It looks like Italian sculpture. Yeah. I mean, I like it from the seat and tank up. I like the handlebars, the headlight, the gauges. I like all of that. Um, You know, and I do... I like the wheels. I like alloy cast wheels that they did back in the 70s and 80s. But I think the main thing that's detracting me from it is the engine. It looks unsubstantial to me. And and also the exhaust pipes. I I don't mean to insult it too much. But I said, why does that remind me of something? What is it? And so I just pulled it up. And not exactly, but kind of, is a Honda MB5. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love my MB5, so. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a Honda and an RD400 Daytona mixed yep. with some yep. Italian I, in there. I, I will tell you the other bike that I was going to name, and this may tell you a lot about my tastes. I came close to naming, except that I just felt it was going to be too cliched, was the Triumph X75 Hurricane, which yeah. I think falls into that same realm of very thin feminine shapes to it so i kind of think they're both cut from the same cloth as far as design yeah and i like i do like the simplified look of a motorcycle with the like small tubular skeletal frame and all that uh, which is um, i like the old hondas like for instance the, the cb350 F, but I like that substantial engine in there, like the big four-cylinder motor. I, I feel like it fits the shape a little bit better than this V-twin that just doesn't quite fill the space that I think it it needs to fill. It's a good-looking motorcycle. I bet they handle amazingly. I don't want to discredit it too much, but it's just not... It's your pick, not mine, so that's okay. I'll, I'll tell you, the engine that it does remind me of which is kind of embarrassing is the <laughs> 5 the original not the 535 but the original 500 Virago if you look at the engine of an original XV500 Virago it actually looks pretty si- now that was an overhead cam so that was very different cuz this is a heron head pushrod engine but if you look at it there's a lot of similarities in the scale of the engine within the frame that didn't have down tubes and stuff. So there's a lot different in the motorcycles themselves. But if you look at the engine, especially the cylinders, there's kind of some similarities there. Yeah, I don't know. This one, I I like the way the carburetors kind of interact with each other and between the cylinders. I like the valve covers on it. I think perhaps if it were arranged 
a little bit differently, more like a Ducati monster where you have that front cylinder coming kind of straight out and the other cylinder coming straight up. And, you know, it's probably like the American V twin thing that I'm going back to the shape of the cylinders uh, and the way that they're oriented just, I don't know, kills it for me. Okay. Well then you can't ride it when I get one. All right. (laughs) You can't ride my, Ducati 1299 Panigale. <laughs> well, then you'd be a very smart man because I have no business getting on a Panigale. <laughs> All, right, All right. Well, I think that brings us to our last category. Uh, motorcycles that have been introduced to the market within, well, let's say recently. Pete, you said earlier when we were introducing this within the last few years, but I think that we need to stick to the last year or two yeah, because okay. there are quite a few that have come out that I'm pretty excited about. And it was hard to narrow down. So I'll just I'll briefly talk about a couple. And one is the Africa Twin. I love adventure bikes. I love enduro riding. And as I said in an earlier podcast, the Transalp is one of my favorite motorcycles, and the Africa Twin just looks like they took the Transalp design, modernized it all. It's inexpensive. It's got a great motor, a 1,000cc uh, motor in it. It is an incredible motorcycle. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about it, and if I get the chance to ride one. And, you know, that could even turn into my bike that I want to purchase in the future, too. might be the Africa Twin. Other than that, and you guys might make fun of me for this, and this kind of goes back to my roots of motorcycling, which was the CT70. I really like the Honda Grom, which came out a couple years ago, and you know that is the 125cc. It's basically like a little hooligan bike. It's a modern uh, monkey. Yeah, exactly. And so I just want to say that Kawasaki recently just came out with their new version, which was it, it has helped alleviate some of the supply demand on honda for a while when the grom first came out they were having a lot of trouble keeping them in stock people were paying higher than msrp for them because they wanted them so bad and so kawasaki just came out with their little zx 125 gizmo which will help kind of alleviate some of the supply problems with those little bikes and they are just the coolest little city going motorcycles i think they would be a hoot to ride the one thing is I would not want a Grom simply because of how low they sit with the little tiny wheels. Yeah. They're not something that I would be willing to take out into traffic. Yeah. And I would. That's why I am going to pitch again, make sure people know about the Kimco K pipe. Yeah. Basically the same motor. Now it's a heavier bike. It, it weighs probably about 50 pounds more, but it has 17 inch wheels and it's sized for full size humans. I hope it does well. Now, it's got a four-speed manual clutch. Most of the ones around the world have four-speed with the auto shift like the old Honda Cubs had. Uh, This has a full manual clutch on it for two grand, and it is so much cheaper than a Grom, and it It is. is. Yeah. I mean, you can do to it all the things you can do to any little horizontal Honda motor and Kimco's a really good company. Uh, they're Taiwanese. They're not mainland China. They've built bikes for a lot of years. This is one that could very easily go on my bucket list, and it's really affordable. And it is. It's very well styled. 
For sure. It looks great as a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And presumably it's a Honda clone motor. So as you were saying, um, for the Groms, there are all variety of big bore kits and all sorts of things that you can do to hop them up. And presumably you could do the same things to this, too, if you wanted. Uh, Even as like a little hobby bike where you could just buy a kind of a bolt on big bore kit in the future if you wanted to. And, you know, really anybody could put that on, particularly with some Internet help. But it's great styled. I, I do really like it. Yeah, it's a cool little thing. Yeah. All right. So mine, to wrap this one up, is, well, it's the latest tweak to the latest generation of a bike that's been around for a little while now. SB650. No. Oh. <laughs> oh. But sort of in that vein, kind of, sort of. And it's a bike, like, what was a, if I'm buying a bike... I wanted to be able to do as much as possible or do as many things as possible, whether that's commute, tour, track day, whatever. About the only thing is the thing isn't going to do is go off road. And that's not really an issue for me because I don't really have any place to do that around here. I mean, yes, there are fire roads, but I got to go drive two and a half hour or ride two and a half hours north to go get to them. So that having an adventure or an ADV bike kind of gets scratched off as much as something like an Africa twin is cool. And I like it. It, it sort of cuts that one off. So, I come to, all right, let's get a sporting standard machine. So what is, what's the one that has spoke to me for 10 years? And, and it's the Aprilia Tuano. And now with the 1,100cc V4 engine, mm, yeah. it's going to have all the power and more that you'll ever need. But it has traction control so that you can set it to prevent, prevent yourself from being a complete moron. Yeah. Uh, although it does have moron mode where you turn off everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they should just call that moron mode because you know you're going to get into trouble if you if you use it. Um, yes. The Aprilia. You're not V4 as good as you mode. think you are, mode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's a exactly. good name for it. Yeah, that V4 motor just sounds amazing, especially if you put an Acropovic pipe or an Arrow or you know some aftermarket pipe on it. it. Doesn't have to be loud. It just has to wake up the sound a little bit. But it's a standard bike, a very comfortable riding position. It's got a good enough size tank. You can do 150 to 180 miles per tank on it. You know, if you want to throw bags on it or whatever, you can in tour. If you want to throw a person on there, you you could do that as well. Uh, it's you know, it, it's basically the RSV4 Superbike chassis and engine, just slightly softened uh, with a better riding position. So it's it can do anything I would want it to do, and you can get one for well, if you go the full factory version, I think they're like seven, sixteen or seventeen, but you can buy just a normal one for like fifteen five, and if you are willing to go with the thousand cc one last year's model, um, you can get one of those for like twelve five right now as as a leftover model. So I mean, it's like it's it's incredible value. Yeah, I really like this motorcycle, and I have been looking at this too along with the Super Duke because they're really effectively in the same class of motorcycle. Um, I like the riding position of this, and you're right; it's it's going to be a comfortable motorcycle to ride versus some of the more laid down sport bike versions that you can buy but it is at home at the track um you can do just about everything with it great power great handling really an incredible motorcycle and i agree with you wholeheartedly on this one well this was probably the easiest of the categories for me there there's kind of a number one with a bullet and it's one that really kind of surprised me it popped into my head immediately and i then said no and i i thought about a bunch of others and then i kind of went yeah, that's really it. And that is the BMW R1200 RS. It's the whole package of a modern motorcycle. 
It is the very model of a modern motorcycle. Uh, it's it's comfortable enough. You can ride on it. It's sporty. It handles well. It's powerful. I mean, it's not as powerful as you know, like the the four cylinder Beamers and stuff like that. But from my frame of reference, or even going back just a couple of years, it's a it's a powerful bike. It has all of the uh, riding modes, ABS, all that kind of good stuff. Dynamic suspension. I think it is one of the few bikes that manages to be really cutting edge modern and is still really classically beautiful. I even like the blue and white colors, which I'm not a big fan of really dramatic colors, but I think it really works on that bike. That is, I think, just about as good as they come on the on the market right now. Yeah, I think BMW has been a great pioneer of technology in motorcycling. So many of their models have been so ahead of the curve, at least as far as a production model goes, with rider aids and technology. But I do like that they have stick to some traditional designs. I mean, they're still using this uh, opposing twin style of motor, um, which I, I, I like. I mean, it gives a good low center of gravity and balance to the bike. It's, it's a good-looking one. I, I agree with you on this one, too. I like it. I think if I was going to give honorable mention to anything, it'd be the uh, the Yamaha XSR 900. I think that's yeah. that's another really interesting mm-hmm. bike for just being kind of an all-around, do-everything, uh, powerful, nice handling, but you don't feel like you need to live in a eucalyptus forest. You know, you can, yeah. you can l- use it in the real world. I think it's a whole lot more attractive than the... 700 that they came out with that didn't come to the United States. I think the 900 really uses all of the styling cues that you have to have in a modern motorcycle because they're water cooled and they've got a lot of pipes and stuff. They're they're just more densely packed in nowadays and still looks like a nice naked bike, which is really rare nowadays. I, I guess it's a BMW naked bike, the 9T. I always thought it looked really good right away, but apparently a lot of people don't like it. The 90 or nine, yeah, the 9T. As a opposed twin, I thought thought I like that. I thought it looked good. I've sat on one. It's cool, but I, apparently that's a pretty controversial bike. Granted, it's grossly overpriced at sixteen grand. I'll give it that, but yeah. you know, functionally, uh, from everything that I've a, I, I haven't ridden either one of them. I've heard so many people talk about how much fun that nine hundred triple Yamaha motor is that I would be much more interested in looking at the XSR nine hundred than I would the 9t yeah the 9t uh kind of looks like something that was made in a garage i don't it just kind of reminds me of the like some of the cafe well i say cafe in quotes cafe racer and that's exactly who it's designed to appeal to is hipsters that are yeah so so pete do you go for the yellow and black bumblebee look on that absolutely molly sanders all the way yes (laughs) yeah you gotta have the track stripe yeah, yeah, my honorable mention is just going to be this uh, SV650. They got rid of it there for a little bit, or at least replaced it with something not as as good. They have brought it back in its original kind of configuration with some uh, updates and improvements. Because the new one uh, went back to a tube frame, didn't it? They don't have the cast aluminum frame in it. Right. It's it's not a do-everything motorcycle, but it's a good bike that you could start off with. And I'm not sure if it was even mentioned in the what would be a first a good starter bike um, episode. But 
Um, the SV650 probably would be. It's a bike that you can start with. It's it's a little bit more motorcycle than some would probably want, but it's something that you could grow into and then ride for a very long time. A, enough power to keep you satisfied, um, predictable power, good looks. Um, I think Jalopnik called it the Mazda Miata of motorcycles. And it is in a way. Um, it's got... A good following, a good aftermarket support. It's a good motorcycle. It's performance oriented, but it's not overwhelmingly. So it's bulletproof. It's a good motorcycle. So that's my honorable mention. Well, Garrett, I, I have to ask: Does your hate of American V twins extend to the uh, Polaris Octane? Well. Is the Polaris Octane, is it an American V-Twin, or are they doing the kind of Rotax thing? No, no, no. That, no, no. That the, the Polaris Octane is built and designed in the United States. Okay, so I should clarify it's, it's this. Scout, it's, it's, a, it's a jazzed-up Scout motor. It's the same thing as the Indian Scout. I, I kind of generalize the American V-Twin thing, but really what I mean by my hatred of it is... Say you had a car, and instead of a modern fuel-efficient power plant, but you still wanted power, you decided to take a 700-cubic-inch, 80-horsepower engine from the 1920s and put it in. That wouldn't be acceptable. We expect evolutions and technology and engineering to give us what we want with sac without sacrificing as much and the american v twins just haven't progressed like i feel like they should in relation to motorcycling as a whole they're they're large they're inefficient their engine designs really haven't changed a whole lot there's you know some computerized control but there is so much better technology nowadays that I feel like could be adopted. I know that Harley does have some better motors going on. Uh, but when I was talking about the American V-Twin, and I'll talk more about the kind of like the late 90s, early 2000s, like with the Buell, they could have done a much better motor. That's why I was excited when they went with the Rotax motor and the 1190 Buells. They just killed the styling for me so i don't know i could get with the the polaris v-twin i'm not going to say that i hate that one it's just if it's efficient if it makes good power if it is utilizing modern design and technology then i'll appreciate it more i had to do some thinking on it on on an alternate here as a, as a backup because it's like i've been so focused on a tuano for so long because that's really the bike i've wanted it, and it's funny because I was like briefly looking through thumbnails of videos for some reviews here. I'm like, yes, no, 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 maybe no, 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 no. So <laughs> one that interested me, we talked about it, I think, a couple shows ago, but I think it's overpriced. Maybe not if I were to see it in person. The new Thruxton is actually really interesting to me. And then maybe if I'm going adventure touring, the smart side of my brain says, yes, the Africa Twin but the new Ducati Multistrada 1200 Enduro is like, hmm, yeah, well, yeah. it's, you know, uh, and it's got to be, and, and some of the electronics are ridiculous, but it's a $22,000 motorcycle, so that immediately kind of disqualifies it. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting that none of us brought up an electric motorcycle, which maybe we'll have for a future topic. But uh, still, we haven't gotten quite to that point yet, have we? I'm going to have to ride one to be a convert. I mean, everybody I've talked to said you need to ride one to really appreciate them, and I haven't, so I don't. I've never ridden one either, but from the people that I have talked to that have ridden them, they really, really liked it. And I, I can't envision myself liking it, but like you said, you kind of never know until you try. I just don't know. When, when I can go out, ride it hard, and be able to do 130 to 150 miles on it, yeah, then I'll, then then I can be interested in it. But when I can, when it's got like a seventy or eighty mile range, which is what most of them have, if you're if you're careful with it, and the minute you start beating on it, you suck up the juice. You're right. down to fifty or sixty miles. You know, charging stations aren't common enough around here where you can kind of say, okay, here, let me go ride for an hour to here to kind of where the roads that you'd be interested in riding are. Let me go charge up. And then I can go out and ride, and then I can charge up on the way home before I go home. So Yeah, yeah let, absolutely. Let me jump in here. Uh, my employer is a Tier 1 supplier for Harley-Davidson. So some of our uh, engineers and managers got to take an extended ride on the live wire. Oh, now that looks cool. I will give them that. That they should for Harley to be relevant in the 21st century. That that should be like in production right now. Right. Yeah, and, I would have I would have thought that Harley would be the last company to to be going down this road. But one of one of my best friends who has ridden all his adult life. In fact, two of two of them, two of the guys that are very experienced riders, both said to me that riding the live wire was a a seminal pivotal moment in their riding career they said by far the best experience they've had on a bike in the last five maybe 10 years the fact that you get torque from zero the fact that it handled really well and they didn't do the little parade lap that most of the people who got to ride the live wire did since they were you know they design and build harley parts for harley they got to really go out and wick it up more take some curvier roads and they said it was just a phenomenal experience and they loved the sound they loved the 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 turbine sound of the engine was totally different and very addictive and it made both of them said it just made you want to twist the throttle all the time and they well it it, they came back so excited about it yeah it's funny for us because because as much as harley hated buell it kind of looks like a buell i was gonna say that it, I don't think uh, it looks like Eric Buell at all. I think oh, that it does. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it looks exactly like Eric Buell. Like, you can see it especially in the swing arm and kind of the, dis- I guess, kind of the design of the frame and the, the yep. rear bodywork. But it does look very Buell-like. I think maybe Buell wore off a little bit more than, than we knew on Harley. Even, even in the tank a little bit, it's got that kind of low-profile but smaller right. sleek. I have to to say, that is the first electric bike I have ever seen that I said, wow, that's that's really pretty. It didn't look like a clunky electric power plant. It's like, wow, that's really gorgeous. I could see that on a pedestal in the Barber Museum in a couple of years and people appreciating it just as much as anything else that's in there. That's hard to do with an electric bike. Well, and also that Harley did it, too, is just pretty incredible. Yeah, no, I, my, my initial reaction then, and I, it's funny because I hadn't thought about it in a while, but even now when I see it again is 
this isn't something they need to think about. This is something they need to start executing on like six months ago. Yeah. Um, just to diversify. Yeah, I agree. It would open up the brand to writers, I think, like me. That I, I would, I mean, I bought a Buell, and I guess that some would consider that a Harley. I, I would never consider a Harley in any other traditional sense, not even the V-Rod, but something like this, if in the future an electric motorcycle is going to happen, I could definitely see myself riding something like this. So kudos to Harley for kind of bringing in the, that demographic that probably otherwise wouldn't even consider them as a manufacturer. Yep, agreed. Talking about Harleys and V-Rods, the one thing that intrigues me is they did make a V-Rod that was the VR-SCR, the street rod, that uh-huh. had rear-set pegs on it. And they're going for silly, stupid, cheap money right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That is just... Because it violates their customer base. Exactly, I mean, and it and it's the one. But that it doesn't I, appeal to any other customer base. So it's kind of in this weird kind of limbo area where nobody wants it. Which makes it the one that I really kind of want. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that is not in production. When we were talking about the uh, live wire, it made me think of the Husqvarna. Vitpilin, Vitpilen, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Their their new 401 and 701 street bikes. The 401 evidently is green lighted for production. The 701 is still up in the air. It's only only exists as a concept. They're just spectacularly interesting looking bikes that I could really see myself being interested in uh, so are these the supermoto styled it's basically take the the 690 duke and the 390 duke engines and put them in kind of a postmodern cafe racer oh uh, okay style uh they've got weird led headlights on them uh, looks kind of like a uh like a futuristic roland sands design yes, yes. motorcycle yeah, and I, I think the 701 would be the one that I would find most intriguing, and that's the one that really hasn't arrived yet. But uh, And they also, they're making kind of a scrambler version of the same thing, but it's the it's the street bike versions that really appeal to me. Yeah. And we'll I like them. I do. We'll, we'll have to see where those, whether that 701 shows up, and if so, does it live up to the hype, because... So many bikes have promised more than they ended up delivering once people rode them. Yeah. They look good. They kind of yeah. take that, that really stubby, no bobber back, look, no back end bobber, no rear fender look, and really kind of make it work. And I really surprised me because I didn't think I liked that, but I really like those. To the point yeah, that so- I could see myself buying one of those if they were reasonable. I like that they are stripped down, but not overly so. Um, it, it looks like everything that's on it is there for a purpose, but it hasn't gone to the degree of taking away too much. Um, so the styling, I really like. I'm, this type of motorcycle, I mean, really kind of suits the the style that I really like of design. Um, I, I hope that they do come out with a 701. I think it looks really good. 
the, the thing it first reminded me of, it was so small and so light and narrow, it kind of reminded me of an SR500 with the old Tracy body on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they had the one-piece Tracy bodies that were so narrow, they came up with one for the for the SR500 that I thought was really cool back in the day. The Tracy bodies, I thought, were really cool, and they kind of remind me of the same thing. Yeah, you know, the 401, uh, that is a KTM 390, and so I don't think that it would take that much for them to produce them. It's got a more kind of futuristic design to the the bodywork above it, but it's a, that's a 390 chassis and motor. It's supposed um, to be by the end of the year that they're going to yeah. come out with that for 2017. I don't know if the 701 will be a year after that or what. But and this, I'm, I'm assuming the 701 is a Duke 690. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Husqvarna and KTM have been, well, I should say that Husqvarna has been using a lot of KTM components here recently with their motorcycles and their dirt bikes. They are functionally a KTM does with a Husqvarna branding on it, which works for them. I think that I like with the dirt bikes, the Husqvarnas are, I mean, equivalent to the KTM basically in in every way the these here the 390 and or the 401 and the 701 at least they have taken their own designs and applied them to it so it is um, probably mechanically the same but I I think that they've made the designs their own and I appreciate that so kudos to Husqvarna for that Okay, well, we have gone very long this uh, episode, so let's wrap it up. And uh, I realize why we end so much more uh, quickly than everybody else, and that's because we don't push all of our social media uh, sites like everybody else. But I will say, please, please, please go and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. It's very lonely over there when it says not enough votes for a rating and there are no reviews there we have gotten a couple of comments but that's it so if you can write a review uh, now that we've kind of found our footing and gotten over our last first couple episodes i'm a little bit less afraid to say go rate us yeah <laughs> uh you can go look at my horribly outdated tanchinomi's snap judgments at tanchinomi.com uh spelled just like it sounds of course it hasn't been updated in many years but you're welcome to do that. Uh, you guys, any any uh, social media things you want to link to? If you have comments about this, please go to the Hooniverse site and go to our Hooniverse podcast post and please leave your views or make your list of your four bikes or whatever. We'd love to hear comments through Hooniverse as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I would encourage everyone, if they feel so inclined to uh, make a comment, if you want to hear about anything on the show, please say something. Um, we'll be glad to discuss it amongst each other. And uh, soon enough, you'll be able to like and comment on our Facebook page. That'll be out here pretty soon, as well as Twitter and Instagram. So, yeah. Eric, anything happening on your end that you want to point people toward? Car or bike stuff? Uh, just if... On my uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash radio, I, I just put up a latest car review, or car review, which was a Lincoln MKX. Yeah, not something that anyone's going to be totally interested in. But if you like bikes and need something to haul it in, the, the vehicle I have this week is an amazing vehicle, which is a Ram 1500 Eco Diesel. It's 
I'll have to I could spend 30 minutes talking about how good it is. It's grossly overpriced, but it's a it's a RAM so you can get like 10 grand off MSRP and, you know. But um, that, that'll be coming in probably about 3 or 4 weeks for that review. Very good. We'll see you all next week and we'll wrap it up. Bye. So long. <laughs>